Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble or fumble like a Craig or Brian Gumbo. Standing on the ground, flat feet, work, coming worms and charts, and I'm doing it on my terms. Welcome to the Rumble. We are back and better than ever, helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punched, so we're here each and every week helping you keep your guard up. I am Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting at Claims Coach on Instagram and on TikTok. They just call me the mouth of the South. And alongside of me is the newest permanent member of the Rumble. <laughs> Miss Miss Jessica Odell of PS Adjusting, and we just call her the Claims Dame. We're so excited that she's here. And as always, the tantalizingly tempting and the tenaciously transcendent, the one, the only baby cakes, Miss Donna Lavelle. How's everybody doing on this fine, fine day? It's a Monday. It is. It is a Monday, though, when you're listening to this, if you're listening to it recorded, you're listening to it on a Wednesday. And I found Wednesdays aren't typically oh, much, better, much better than That's a Monday. Just Monday part three. It's just Monday part three. That's true. Yeah. Good and, point. Good point. Yeah. You know, and the sequel's never as good. Yeah, that's what I'm finding. So what's going on in the world today, Donna? Well, today is um, August 23rd, 2023. And I have some things to let you know about. 19, 1970, Lou Reed played his last show with the Velvet Underground. Did you know that? I No, I, I did not know it that. It was a perfect day. I guess nobody's going to get that unless they're old. Like <laughs> Anyway, um, 1989, Pete Rose was banned from baseball. Pete Rose was banned from baseball on August the 23rd, 1980. And there has been a lot of effort to try to get him back into baseball yep. and even eligible for the Hall of Fame. He still remains uneligible un to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Strike oh, three, think. you're out. So in 1999, New York City reported the first case of West Nile. Remember that? Nope. Remember West Nile? <laughs> Barely. Barely. What's that? You know, I mean, not everything can be COVID. I know. You know, but if not for West Nile, you know, COVID probably wouldn't have been as big a deal. So probably not. COVID should probably thank West Nile <laughs> you know, among among the virus. So when COVID they go to virus, COVID is the West Nile. Of so when they go to virus convention, you know, I know that COVID is going to get the keynote spot, but yeah. West Nile's booth was really amazing. Line COVID's here. the new West Nile. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and in 2021, speaking of COVID, the FDA fully approved the Pfizer um, COVID-19 vaccine. Well, look at that. We were all thrilled. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, we were all very... All across America, everyone was... For those of us who like to be vaccinated, <laughs> for those of us who don't like to be vaccinated, I guess we didn't really care. We just fought it out. Mm -hmm. You know, did what we could, coughed yep. a little. So... And that's it. Uh, now you know, and knowing is half the bullshit. Man, and knowing is half the bullshit. Thank you so very much, Donna. We appreciate everything that you do and keeping the world around us and... Uh, and uh, us aware of all of these things, because I, I don't know that I would be aware. There are things you need to know. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And no one's half the bullshit. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so guys, we have got a uh, couple of really good episodes coming up as you listen this week and even next week. And I'm excited to get into this. And um, Jess is actually what I would call an old pro at what we're going to be talking about. But the topics that we're going to be discussing is going to be coming in three separate rounds when you hear this sound you know that the round has begun and when you know when you hear this sound you know that the round is over today's topic is preparing to go to a catastrophe and how we get ready for that and uh guys if you hear anything funny, if you hear anything cool, it is certainly not me. It is baby cakes over there twisting and tweaking and making everything happy. And I want to remind you that this is not a debate show. This is not about be, being right or wrong. This is about dealing with the struggle that each and every one of you are in on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, listen up. If you've got any comments, please put those questions or comments down. 
um, in the chat below. I want to direct you to our Facebook page, The Pain of the Claim Presents, where we post each week's episode there, and you can ask the questions and get me and Jess to comment back and forth to you, Baby Cakes as well. Um, we are always happy to um, engage in any kind of conversation and, again, answer any questions. But we're going to get into the thick of it right after this because round one starts right now. Public adjusters, listen up. It's Jeremy Lavelle, owner of Remedy Claims Consulting, host of the Rumble, and most importantly, your claims coach. Public adjuster training is one of the hardest things to find. Sure, you can take some online seminars, you can show up to conferences, but none of them tailor training just for you until now. Whether you need to learn how to estimate, scope, negotiate, or prospect, I can help you drill down on the skills you want to develop. Maybe you're just starting out and you need to learn the claims process from a to Z, or you're just wanting to help are you just wanting help on strategy on a specific claim? I can help you find the traction you were looking for and learn how to truly control the narrative in the ever-changing world of claims. You can reach out to me directly at 888-596-8772, or you can find me on the web at remedyclaims.com and just click Get Started. That's 888-596-8772 or remedyclaims.com and click Get Started. You can even shoot me an email at jeremy at remedyclaims.com. That's J-E-R-O-M-Y at remedyclaims.com. It's time to move your career to the next level. Prepare to be self-sufficient. All right, Jess, I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna kick it to you because you are the resident expert at being a PA. Now I was an IA. I have gone on, I think I counted the other day, 10 different hurricanes that I've worked. So I know what it's like to be there, but going as a public adjuster is a whole different set of ball of wax. You are out there on your own. You are flying solo. When you're cold and you're and you're lonely, know this, help ain't coming. You're it. You are the help that everybody's looking for. So Jess, what is some of the first things when you know that you see the hurricane headed this way and we have a very active Atlantic right now? What is it that you're getting ready to do when you can see when you see the yellow circles turn to orange circles and the orange circles turn to red turn circles to red. going through your head? Well, first and foremost, there's really two ways to approach going into a catastrophe, going into you're a cat way environment. Way. <laughs> right. There's 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 a I'm just gonna do this all by myself way, or there's the you know what, I've got some people and we can plug and play into someone that's local. And of course that requires a high level of trust with that individual, but a tag team would help alleviate, you know, some of the logistics, some of the, you know, struggle of getting those first handful of claims because that local person's going to be completely overwhelmed and very, very quickly. So you could look at it two ways, but you know, if you're talking about being self-sufficient, some things to think about, um, you know, do you have six to eight months of capital already saved up and in the bank? Um, if you don't, I highly advise you do not roll out. Um, there claims money while, while yes, it is a catastrophe. Yes. It seems very common sense. There are going to be large loss, you know, even at the residential level and that money's just, you know, checks should be cut. Right. I mean, they've got no roof over their heads. They've got water everywhere. It, it shocks me how very little they actually pay in those first six to eight months. I mean, some, most people between hurricane Laura, Delta, Zeta, Delta Zeta, Ida, and even Ian might have paid a little bit better, but I mean, we're seeing averages of you know two to six thousand dollars of what was paid out on a hurricane loss. Wow, it's sick, absolutely sickening. And so you're you're still fighting. You're I mean, you are fighting for months just to get a a decent second check coming in. So. First and foremost, as as a firm, if you don't have six to eight months of capital saved up, I, I wouldn't even roll out the, the so PAs themselves. Oh, go ahead. I think, it's, I think it's fair to say that working a hurricane remotely away from your office, number one, is going to be expensive. Yes. I mean, you are going to have expenses that are attached to being in a remote situation that are far and above and beyond uh, 
what you would normally work if you're working from home or you're working in a region that you're familiar with. Um, man, I, you know, that is not something it seems to be obvious, but I'm glad that you say it because it's something that didn't even cross my mind is to have some cash in the bank ready to operate from. How do you, let me, let me just ask you this, Jess. I mean, how do you, do you budget that capital? I mean, it's like, I've got, I've got this many months down, down there on the road and you're looking at the budget and how you're going to, you know, spend that capital that you have from six to eight for six to eight months. So I'll just being transparent. I've never been a firm owner. Um, I don't aspire to own my own firm. Um, I've always really thoroughly enjoyed being, you know, a second in command or, or, you know, an operations manager type of PA, you know, to assist with this kind of stuff because of my military background and deploying and seeing, you know, being on, you know, different staffs at different, you know, command levels. That's, that's, that is my forte is helping facilitate those decision makers into thinking these types of things through. Um, I would say that, yes, at first it will feel like you are bleeding money. Absolutely. will feel like you're bleeding. Um, but then you'll start to see a healing process like around that six to eight month mark. And then after that, I mean, the, the money is fantastic there. And, and I don't mean that in a, let's just go and, you know, <laughs> let's just go gung ho and go make a bunch of money. It's not, it isn't about the money for a lot of us. And I do get that, but the, the, the money is very good at, you know, in a catastrophe, you just, you're not going to see any of it for six to eight months. And, and that's, that's coming from somebody who's, well, I've worked for different firms through each of those different hurricanes. So where I'm coming from is the patterns that I've noticed. So I'm not speaking to any one specific firm. They're just patterns that I've noticed. Some pre-planned before they went in, they had investors or they had, you know, some kind of loan in place or there's some, some other, there was something in place. They did think it through before they went. And I've seen some, they're just like, you know, I think we've got plenty. Let's just go and we'll figure it out when we get there. Unfortunately, really good people do go broke in a catastrophe. And I mean, they could be the best PAs on the planet. Doesn't matter because you will bleed then you'll start the healing process and then you'll come back very, very healthy, you know, in the end. And your PAs, that was the other thing I was going to mention is, you know, the first point that I mentioned was just from a firm's perspective. The second point is, you know, a lot of PAs are, you know, commission-based, I would say a vast majority are commission-based. Can your PAs afford to go four to six months with little to no commission? Some, you know, you may have to consider a draw, for some of those PAs, you may have to consider maybe, you know, a flat rate for your inspectors and maybe something different for the desk PAs, you know, doing like a pie chart type thing. There's, there's many different ways you can attack that, but your PAs have to understand too. They're not getting paid either. (laughs) Right. So if they go into the storm, knowing that already, they will still have a great time and still just think back on, you know, their catastrophe that they worked and, and it will become quite addicting. I would say I'm very addicted, <laughs> no lie to hurricanes. Well, I, I would say, look, I ha- while I have gone on many catastrophes, like I said, at the opening of the show, I have not worked, um, you know, remotely like that or outside of my region as a public adjuster very much, although I have gone in and it's usually been in some sort of consulting role and much like you, Jessica, how do we set up and organize and mobilize? You know what I'm right. saying? And I, it, what I do have a lot of experience in is preparing to leave and knowing what it looks like to be away from your home for, right. for an extended period of time, whether you have pets, whether you have, uh, whether you have, uh, you know, just things that need to be cared for around your house, you know, redirecting your mail, um, you know, those kinds of things. Because I worked on this side of the fence for Hurricane Michael where I was gone for four months. You know what I'm saying? And it Uh was it was it was in figuring out sort of how how that's all going to work and how that's going to look. And so, you know, um, it's it's a it's a it's a struggle. It's a challenge. It's hard on people that stay behind. It's one of those. And so communication with the with the team that stays behind or their family that stays behind. Right. 
Um, one of the things that I would tell you is early on, you're going to be, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be inundated with a lot of work. So as you look at what you're doing, I would prepare now kind of make sure that you're preparing to take a day off. So don't overload yourself. The first, first right. rattle out of the gate, you know, it is, it is going to be extremely overwhelming and there is nothing that you can do about it being overwhelming. <laughs> it's going to be, it, it is going to, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. It's going to be like, you know, standing in front of the ocean going, this wave's not going to knock me over and it will knock you over you know, just, just be prepared to stand back up, you know, and right. sort of the title of this round. And I want to keep it, I want to keep it localized to this round is prepared to be self-sufficient. You just want to have a lot of those supplies, make sure that you're, and, and I would recommend don't go out and buy a bunch of parable perishable stuff, but I would go ahead and grab some bottles of water. You know what I mean? I would get you, I, you know, if you can, if you can go get, you know, five or six cases of bottled water, that's good. I would, um, uh, you know, have your little, your little go bag or your go box ready. Like I used to have the clothes, whether, you know, like I didn't have like proper uniforms, but I had the clothes that I was prepared to wear in some of the nastiest environment that you can think mm -hmm. of, whether it's, whether it's, you know, your waiting boots, whether it's a mosquito, because look, if you're working a hurricane, one thing you can count on is mosquitoes. Oh and yeah. They're going to be the size of Huey gunships. Okay. I mean, those things breed like you would not know if you're going down to Florida, I'm, you're going to, they have these things down in Florida that I think it was actually the university of central Florida that bred these things called love bugs and they're black and they, and they, and they're everywhere. And they swarm like crazy. And so things like mosquito nets to, to just keep it off of your face. Um, you know, I, I am not a big fan of putting off on because it just makes me sweat even more. And, you know, like the, you know, the, the, the insect spray or whatever, not to endorse any given product. You can use whatever you want to. But <laughs> things like mosquito netting are, gonna, are going to be key, like a mosquito net around your face so that you can actually work things. Um, now I used to call bug spray my 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 daily perfume. <laughs> I, was, I was like, right. "Woo, putting on my PA perfume." There, there What's that wild go. scent you're wearing? Yeah, what's uh -huh. that yeah it's called backwoods. Um, <laughs> right, deep woods. Uh, batteries, guys. Lots and lots of batteries. Yes. One thing you're not going to be able Headlamps. to buy when you get down there. Yeah, is is that sort of thing? You're going to have to, and you can't go. And I, and I think the idea here is is that you don't you want to go down with this with your own stockpile of stuff that you're going to be needing and consuming kind of on a daily basis. You know, those things that help you do your job, make sure you're looking at those now. Let me ask you, Jess, what sort of vehicle do you look at taking? So if you're if you're a guy that's driving around in a Toyota Prius right now, is that something you recommend driving down into a catastrophe or something like that? I mean, the, the positive to a Prius, well, I don't know, because there wouldn't be charging stations anywhere yeah, if the power's going to be down. Yeah. So, uh, look, you drive what you got to drive. I mean, there's going to be tons of work. Um, yeah, it's going to be hard, you know, hauling around a ladder, but if you I, I don't know. My having a pickup truck honestly was the best thing for me. I could put anything in there. Yes, it was still sucking up gas, but you know, if you you plan, you know, plan enough ahead, you know where to get your gas from before you get into the zone. So, I, yeah, I, I think a pickup truck really is it saved my butt in a lot of situations. Yeah, it, it's almost one hundred percent needed. I would say, yeah, can you make another vehicle work? Absolutely. You sure. know, but if your plan is to fly down and rent a car, let me let me adjust those thoughts now. I would not plan on doing that. Um, yeah. One, if you can even fly into the area, but I understand that you may fly into a location that flights are still coming and going from. But if you think that there's going to be cars available, remember, all of the cars that you're wanting to rent are being rented by people whose cars have been washed away. So that's another thing is and we'll and we'll get into we'll get into more of this, but be prepared. I would say look at getting a hold of a pickup truck whether you bought borrow your brother-in-law's whether you have to go buy a new one whether you have to go buy a used one whether you rent one in this area 
make that part of what it's going to cost you and what you're looking at to go down there and be effective. Because the idea is not is, is to not add to the chaos. And it's going to get dirty. Tell your brother-in-law that it's going to be filthy when you come back. Well, and then yeah, you, might, you might want to stop off at a car wash yeah. before you return it to your brother-in-law. That's for and, sure. And look, it also completely depends on where it hits. Like, for example, Lake Charles area. I mean, having that pickup was a lifesaver because there was still a ton of water. Then they got hit with a second hurricane while we were all there. So being able to, you know, drive around the streets in that was great. However, you know, I look at Ian and in parts of Florida or even, you know, Ida down there in New Orleans. Shoot, I'm bumping into all kinds of curbs and stuff getting around in New Orleans. <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Florida um, and- wasn't I mean, once the waters receded, see that's the other thing. You, you kinda as a PA, you don't have to necessarily be there right after it hits as, as a PA as an IA, you definitely do as as a construction and anything else. Yes, you absolutely do. But as a PA, you've actually got a luxury of at least 30 days before anybody's even really thinking about, you know, hiring a public adjuster because most people, especially if it's an area that's never been hit by a, a hurricane before, or, or, or most people, you know, don't have a living memory of, of being through a hurricane. Most people still don't even have a clue what a PA is. They're going to trust their insurance company to, to, we're just going to give them some time, you know, and then they give them 30 days, 60 days. There's some people start coming around about the 90 day mark is when people start getting fed up and by 120, you can bet you're overloaded. So you, you do have some luxury in, you know, you don't have to be there right away. Jess, I think that that's really important is that you do have a little bit of time. You know what I mean? In, 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 in the world of where it's beneficial to strike while the iron is hot, do you right. know what I'm saying? And I get right. that you're wanting to get down there as quickly as you possibly can so that you have the opportunity to 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 be there and be the first person that provides the help. I kind of get that. That's the way that I look at it. Right, um, like the food not, truck type stuff where you're, yeah, you're, you're giving to the community before you're you know selling so to speak i think that that's i think that that's really important but you know understand that that's that's your luxury is is that you have some time to look at it but i think the biggest thing to take out of this round is make sure you have some money in the bank because it could be a little bit of time before you see dollar one from that storm um guys we're going to be moving into round two and it starts right up right after this One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. Do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 515-783-1434. That's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com. Round two, line up your lodging now. Whatever it is that you're going to do, just remember going into a hurricane or a catastrophe area. And I, and I'm, and I want to, and I want to broaden this to not just hurricanes, but like, if you've ever worked the California wildfires, I know the poor people in Hawaii right now are absolutely, I can't, I can't imagine those people who are displaced from their home desperately need the lodging that's available in the area. So you've got to prepare to to be looking at lodging that could be an hour or two removed from ground zero so to speak um if you can get a hold of if you can get a hold of uh you know like a travel trailer or even a motor home um those are other things that you might want to look at doing but that is something that you want to that you want to start thinking about before you start discussing the idea of i want to go down there and work claims is is think about where you're going to stay and that is a that is a huge thing. So, Jess, what are some of those solutions as you've gone down, even as a public adjuster? Most public adjusters are not salaried, right? I mean, I, I don't right. know if you're salaried, but most of the firms that I know don't offer a salary and a per diem right. and will set you up in this hotel. What are some of the th- solutions that you had there? So I've seen where um, some PAs might get together and they could, you know, they'll, they'll grab a camper 
or something like that. Maybe, uh, you know, a generator to fuel cell, whatnot, and, and just kind of camp out. Um, or they'll have some contractor buddies that are going down and they might kind of piggyback off of that and chip in. Uh, that That's one way I've seen it. Another, so, the, you know, the RV route. Another is, you know, going down and finding an, a local RV park that is still open. Um, you know, probably hour, hour and a half outside of the zone, if you will, yeah. and depending on if there's still power. But, you know, looking at, our, you know, local RV spots is one thing. Um, another is looking for a rental house. Now I know like for Lake Charles, for example, we didn't have our rental house set up until probably month four. And that was basically just touching base and reaching out to, you know, realtors in the area and finding out which houses may not have been affected that aren't yet rented out to displaced persons. And so, you know, we were able to grab one that way. And, and that was where we lived, worked, you know, we had everything all set up. Um, I definitely, the, the RV route is a good route, uh, especially if you, you know, intend to do multiple hurricanes, because then you can always take those same campers and just take them everywhere. Uh, but of course, that has a different logistical footprint <laughs> than just, yeah. you know, coming into an area, finding, getting lucky and finding a rental house. Uh, you know, there's, but some people will, will set up their, like an RV camp, they'll, they'll find like a local VFW and, and they'll feed, you know, local veterans and they'll set up their man camp, what, what they call the man camp. Um, you know, there's all sorts of places you can set up stuff like that at, you know, different, um, oh, what's the, the, there's the German place in Florida. Dang it. I don't know. Cal Spoon has set up his there and, and that was, that worked out really nice for them too. I mean, uh -huh. it, there's some really creative ways that, you know, people can piggyback off one another and help each other out through that type of situation without having to go get a full-blown house or, or even worse, rent very expensive hotel rooms every day. Well, I think, I think one of the things that you even said in first round, it, it really depends on where it lands. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you don't really know where it lands and, 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 and looking at kind of the projected landfall is where you're going to be wanting to set up your staging area. You know what I yep. mean? And, and so sometimes, sometimes setting up a staging area an hour and a half or two hours away, and then you kind of go into the area and possibly look at staying with somebody for a couple of days in the area at a trailer. So I think one of the key things here is, is even if you're going down by yourself, being a part of the network that's actually trying yes. to the relief is going to be huge. You know, 100 percent especially when it comes and you're going to want to amortize those costs out so anytime that you can team up with other people even if you're running your own kind of your own kind of thing your own sort of operation you're not really there to help out other firms but amortizing those costs and, yes. and combining resources is is always a really good thing to do so it while the while the name of the round is line up the lodging it's like it, it really is line up line up the staging and how all of that's going to look and work, I think is super important. Um, you know, I'm, you know, as we even look at the Gulf right now, I, I know most of it is hitting kind of the Southern tip of Texas. McAllen area is, is kind of the on target right now um, is where it looks like it's going to make landfall, but I'm not even sure it'll make a tropical storm status um, at this right. point. But I mean, some of those areas are going to be tough areas. You know what I mean? The further. Oh, south, yeah, they're going to be very remote down there. Those are those are tough areas to get into. And just remember, um, the infrastructure is always going to be a question. So whether it's mobile hotspots, whether it's, um, uh, you know, where you're going to stay, whether it's an RV, whether it's how you're going to, you know, um, exist down there. That's stuff that you want to be thinking about right now. That's also stuff that you want to be doing, for lack of a better term, a cost analysis on. And so that one of the hardest things, it's like you can't go down there and plan to take care of yourself once you're down there. All of right. those plans need to be made right here, right now, even as we're sitting here talking about it. And if it's something that you're planning to do, the hurricane that you're that you need to be preparing for, we don't even know exists yet. It hasn't come off the coast of Africa. It's not even in it's not even it's not even a storm yet. But if this is something where you want 
where you want it to be a part of your income revenue stream, that kind of thing is these are things that you need to be assembling now. You know, I almost wish that I was having this conversation with Jess in, in January when hurricane season is behind us to yes. be preparing for those kinds of things, because I think having the conversation now really lends itself to the thought that you can start pulling this stuff together immediately. Not that you can't, but this, you, you really need to go into it ready to go. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and having those things lined up, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I usually, I, I try to recommend to people to, to think about these things in the spring or, or, or January, February, March, definitely by March, April, you should be not just thinking about, should we go? But if you're leaning towards, yeah, I think it'd be great if we go one hits a certain area. I would also think this is the, that's the time to go to think about, do you want to do a cat one? Would you go if it's a cat two, maybe you don't go unless it's a cat three, because I mean, if you're local to a cat one or two, sure. You might, I mean, that might not be a bad idea, but Definitely don't go across the country for a cat, you know, one or a cat two. So, you know, thinking about those things too. But then after you start thinking about these things and going and and kind of deciding, yeah, I think we should. Then the next step is May, June, July, you're training your team. You're you're like, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people get in their comfort zone when they're doing, you know, roof only or, or hail type claims you know, they get in that certain comfort zone, you know, going through hurricane inspections is compl- it's a completely different ball game. You need to be bringing tools to that thing, you know, help having science help you on those inspections. And you need, you know, you got to train on your, train your team on how to use it, not just how to use it and the capability, but what do the, what do the readings really tell you? And then what do you do with those readings? So, you know, and then, and then scaling slowly too, you can start with a handful of people and and then kind of grow from there as you're getting the volume. You don't have to hit the ground running with, you know, a whole, you know, <laughs> battalion of people. Sure, sure. I, I would, I would, let me just say this, and I know that we're still kind of talking about lodging, but it's really all about the whole, the whole show's about preparation. So we're probably going to drift in between rounds here. So forgive us, you know, and I go back to the network thing. If you're a solo operator right now and you're working in, you know, whether you're in Jess's area out in East Texas or you're in my area in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex, or I, you know, I know, I know public adjusters. If you're in Arizona, or if you're in in these play, if you're in these areas where you're thinking about truly traveling to it, and you're just a solo guy working claims, working water heater claims, working water losses, those sorts of things, and you have a level of expertise, which is something I want to get into. Um, but if you're working these things and you're just a guy that works by yourself, running your claims, start networking with people that you've known. Cal Spoon is a great guy, um, that has, that has a lot of experience, you know, mobilizing into these areas. TJ Ware is another guy that has mobilized and moved his entire family of, is it 10 children? Moved his entire yes. family to go work <laughs> into these areas. And so you talk about somebody who these people that know how to mobilize. I mean, asking them some questions and possibly, you know, even partnering with them while you're going to go down and you're going to source your own claims and you're going to write your own claims and you're going to do it your own way. Working with these people is, is often the best way for you to have a successful trip. You know what I'm saying? And then Uh pitch in and help their efforts. So when I say line up lodging now, line up where your efforts are going to go to help establish sort of a command center. And it's really not just lodging. It's really about establishing that command center and making those plans and reach out to them now and say, you know, hey, Cal, hey, TJ, hey, whoever. I understand you're the, or if you're talking about PAs that are in the area, I know Vince Perry was in the Tampa area. He was very closely uh, located down to where Ian made landfall. You know, it's like, what are your command centers and how can we partner and help lift some of the load off of you and, and, and come together with you so that we can, so that we can get these people taken care of. Right. So, you know, those are, those are all ways that you can kind of, that you can line up kind of what you're doing 
um, you know, from here right now. And, and I would start doing some research too. You know, it's like, what are these, what are the things that are going to be necessary? And I know part of your research is actually listening to this show as it, as, as you're Good trying on to you. Brownie points. Exactly what I need, <laughs> you know, as I, as I figure out what it is that I'm going to need to do, because it is going to be, if you think you're just going to go, if you're just going to go down there and go, I'll just grab a holiday Inn express when I get there and I'll figure out what happens next. Once I'm there, you're, you're one, you're going to spend a ton of money. Because because the hotels that are available, they went from eighty nine dollars a night. Well, like like you can actually find a hotel room for eighty nine dollars a night now. Um, they went from a hundred dollars a night to two hundred and fifty dollars a night. Now I know that the government steps in and stops some of that price gouging, but there's there's it takes a while for them to set those regulations out. Yep. You know? Yeah, I remember in Hurricane Ida, we had we had to stay we had to stay in Baton Rouge, and we drove we just drove. It was, I don't know. How far, how far it, is that drive from where Ida made landfall to Baton Rouge? Well, what I was thinking was Hurricane Laura. So when her, I'm sorry, Laura. Hurricane Laura fell at, at Lake Charles, we stayed in Baton Rouge. And that's because a lot of people displaced to Lafayette, which was, oh, shoot, you don't get me to lie on, on travel time. I think it was maybe an hour and a half outside. Okay. But, but, but. Here's the problem. Because it was such a remote location and because of the way that the road network was, there weren't a whole lot of different routes to come into Lake Charles and a whole lot of routes out. You pretty much had the same route in and the same route out, which meant everyone else was on that same route. The convoys and the travel time, it took five hours to get from Baton Rouge to Lake Charles, which I think is normally like a two and a half hour drive. Um, Don't quote me. But um, I just, I remember the, the rental rates, um, even for Hurricane Ida, the rental rates tripled, yeah, tripled, and you could not find housing, you know, within, you know, a hundred mile radius. Um, and, and then, I mean, yeah, it was, it was rough. It was very. To a Coleman easy up tent, something right. along those lines, <laughs> yes. you know, cause, sure. cause if it takes five hours to get in and let's say you know, coming out of it, you know, at sundown, so to speak, all of those people are leaving the area at sundown too. You yes. Know, I mean, so to get out, it's crazy to too. It's five hours back. You're, you're spending 10 hours on the road to, to go spend two or three hours, you know, on site, you know, you're still, I mean, when are you actually going to get the paperwork done? So, I mean, is it, is it well, advisable? Yeah. Go ahead and talk about here's that. The, okay. So it's a funny story. Cause we actually had hired a driver we hired a driver so that the rest of us could work and sleep during the five hour drives each direction because we didn't spend three hours on site. We six, it was six hours. We got a, a, an inspection done in the morning, an inspection done in the afternoon. You know, we had a couple teams, so, you know, we kind of split up or whatnot, but because I'm telling you the other part of working hurricanes is once you show up to one person's house and you put your, you know, your, your flag or whatever in that person's yard, it will be seconds. Within seconds, you will have more people say, no, come inspect my house too. Come, I'll sign your contract, whatever you want. So, so we, we worked long, long hours, but that hiring a driver was a godsend. Wow. What a great tip. Yes. What a great tip that that guy is there, man. I, that is something I hadn't even thought of. That is yep. a great idea. That is a great idea. But remember, if you're looking to sign up to be a driver, it may be six to eight months before you're paid. Yep. (laughs) So like I I said, you will bleed money. You will absolutely bleed it. And if you're, you're cool with like, okay, I'm good. I can bleed for six months, eight months. I'm good with that. The, the the money does come eventually. It does. Yeah. And, and, and everybody eats well, but you got to bleed first. Unfortunately, (laughs) that's just, that's just the way that it, that's just the nature of the game. Man, hiring the driver thing, I, you know, how much time you can spend. Look, I, when I work a claim just between you and me, I am a multiple screens kind of guy. Yes. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I have to have because I'm looking at pictures. I'm looking at I'm looking at Matterports. I'm looking at, you know, thermal images. I'm looking at, you know, my estimate screen. I'm looking at, you know, what I'm typing out as far as narratives. I'm looking at expert reports. And so I'm a multiple screens kind of guy, you know. Um, 
and and right now the only reason I, I i generally work with two screens so that's another thing that you're thinking about when you're traveling if you're used to working on two screens don't think that your 13 inch laptop is going to be the way you got to think about that those are things that you're wanting to set up and and how you're successful and all of that kind of stuff and how you divide out your process which we're going to get into round three is is to know your process but what i what i want to get into is like I don't work off of three screens now because I've heard if you get three screens, the only thing you'll want after three screens is four screens. It's more screens. Four, <laughs> you're going to want five screens. And then you're turning them vertical and you're doing all kinds of things. The problem with more screens is all it does is make you want more screens. So, um, you know, all of that, all of that being said, you know, set these things up now. Begin to talk to, with these people now and get your, get your, your, sustenance in order well that closes out round two um line up your lodging and line up everything else too and we'll get into round three right after this when choosing someone to help with your online marketing make sure you go with someone that has years of experience our good friend sally at thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience she can build you a beautiful 15-page sleek interactive website post on your social media platforms multiple times a week she can do a video an amazing crm to manage and uh, maintain and nurture your clients text email marketing review generation a business listing on 60 plus search engines including three voice networks appointment scheduling estimates invoices payment processing and more she will also create for you on uh, on google a facebook page in instagram twitter and linkedin if you need these for your businesses she'll she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites if you already have these pages she'll optimize them for you as well call or message sally today if you want to get started you can reach her at 214-789-1651 again her name is sally brigance her number is 214-789-1651 and uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up when you send her a referral that signs up with her she'll credit your billing account logos are also available um and she also offers a lead generation service and seo search engine optimization where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of google or your money back it is spelled t-h-r-y-b and you can find my good friend sally brigance and that's spelled s-a-l-l-i-e brigance b-r-i-g-a-n-c-e and she can be reached once again at 214-789 one six five one round three know your process working claims in a remote environment when you're down at a catastrophe is going to disturb the way you typically work a claim like for example i just want to give you an example if i am working a claim here i get a phone call hey i've got a guy that the insurance company is not wanting to pay pay his you know pay his loss or whatever the case may be whatever those situations are however it is the calls come in i go through my normal list of questions with that client well all of that now goes out the window because you're like jess said in round two you're standing there inspecting one loss and somebody walks across the street after having talked to the person who owns the house that you're act actually at come inspect my house Come look at my stuff and you're trying to help them. And so your, your, your goal is as soon as I'm done here, I'll come over there and you know, they'll sign your contract because drowning people aren't picky about who saves them, right? If you're drowning and you're flailing and you're panicked and you are in this state of urgent, urgent in need of urgent help, you're not real picky about vetting those people that are trying to help you. I know if I was drowning, I wouldn't care who drug me out of the water as long as somebody does it. And right. And, and I think and I think you have got to know how that looks. Be ready 
when you know that people are going to come in and don't deviate from that process, whatever that process may be. So Jess, again, I ask you, what are some of those processes when you're on the roof at another house and a lady walks up to you from two, two houses down and goes, can you come to my house next? What is, how do you respond to that? How do you get them into the workflow, into the queue of, of getting them the help they so desperately need? So this is where I recommend don't go it alone. Don't try to be a lone wolf. Um, we have office staff that, I mean, that's what they did. They, you know, customer relations is a very critical office member to have. That's the person that has the empathy to talk to people as they're calling in and they're absolutely desperate and they're speaking with a sense of urgency. That person doesn't just brush them off like, okay, 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 I've got 10 other things I got to do. You know, that person is there to, you know, to, to connect with that insured that's been through, you know, that has been suffering. Um, and then from there, from the, you know, customer relations person, then it goes to a licensed public adjuster that can then talk policy and all those other things. But that, that is one of the reasons I don't recommend you go it alone. Um, but if you are going to go it alone, then I definitely recommend your vehicle be outfitted as its own command center. Um, what I mean by that is they now have printers that are the size of a book that you can, you know, flip out, you know, some extensions or whatever for paper and whatever. But, you know, you could have that printer there or get you a full blown printer, whatever, but have a printer in your, in your vehicle. Um, you know, I am a major fan of Elon Musk's Starlink and now there's various versions of Starlink. I have the very first one. Um, but you can make that thing mobile now too, as long as you have some power and you can plug it into your vehicle, you know, while your stuff's running, you've got internet connection via, you know, Elon Musk's satellites. So yeah. while everybody else has no power, you can still operate. Um, I do. I definitely, I definitely recommend if you're going to go solo, just outfit your vehicle. Like it's a command center and have those things at the ready for the client have hard copy papers because or hard copies of your contract and stuff, because you know, some of these, some of these locations are very remote and some folks, you know, are, are very elderly. They don't have all the tech savvy and they, and, you know, and then they feel really bad because they don't know how to operate, you know, you know, click on your link and go to this thing and then click start. And then you drop down to the signature and then you can use your finger to do signature. They don't, they don't know that kind of stuff and they get flustered. And, and but if you just hand them hard copy, here you go. Um, they're, yeah. they're happy to sign on the spot. Um, so I, I think it just depends. Yes, you know your process. Yes, you want to stick to that process. But it, I think that also depends. Are you going alone or are you not going alone? Well, and I agree with you. I, I, I completely, you know, I one, I don't think you should go down alone. I, I would advise, I would nope. heavily advise against that. I, if you want to go down and you're a solo guy in your area, team up with some people that are already in the area. That's the first thing I would tell you is find some, some really good public adjusting firms that are in the area. They're probably looking for the help, you know, and, and negotiate how that's going to look. You know yep. what I'm saying? Whether you're going to do it for a percentage, whether you're going to use their contracts and paperwork, whether you're going to use your contracts and paperwork. You know, I know that a lot of these firms are happy to help, you know, uh, you know, boost their name in the area. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. however it is that you want to negotiate that, if you're wanting to branch out, if you are a firm and you've got a team of people that are going to go down there, um, Jessica said it said it earlier. It's like start training your team now. Start looking at what that looks like now and who's going to be doing what, especially because you're going to go through a huge intake process and then you're going to go through a huge sort of, uh, you know, pre a preparation process of preparing the claims to be submitted to the carriers. One of the things I, you want to make sure of is what are the licensing requirements in Amen. that area for the support staff that you have? You know, make sure that licensure is set up, not just your personal license, because if you're going down there with multiple people, there's a there's a chance that you have to establish yourself as a firm in yes, that an area. And you so compliance is a huge thing, whether it's bonds, whether it's like Texas, if you work in Texas, 
if you work a Texas hurricane, Texas is very particular about the contracts that you put in front of people. And so your contract in some other state, if you're going to come to Texas and work, you may have all of these different things that are inside of your contract that are not going to work with the state of Texas. And so many of these states that have very specific contract requirements have templates or a contract that you can use. Texas most certainly has a contract that you can download and use. Um, and, and it will speak to what the Texas Department of Insurance wants. And if you look at the Department of Financial Services for Florida, I believe that they have got some very specific things. And also remember yes. this, not everything just lets you reciprocate. If you want a Florida license, you got to take the test. And if you want right. to get that license awarded, if you think you're going to go work a Florida hurricane or your plan is to go work a Florida hurricane, a couple of things I can tell you is I got my Florida. I was an independent adjuster in Florida, but I was looking to get my Florida public adjuster's license. And I personally just thought it reciprocated, found out. Nope. It doesn't just reciprocate my CE hours for Texas reciprocates for my Florida license, but right. my license does not reciprocate. So I had to go sit for the test while I sat for the test. And, you know, once I had passed the test, it only took about 12 short weeks before I got my license and I was <laughs> no help to anybody. Mm-hmm. It took for well, then, even in Louisiana, Louisiana's hourly. Can't you can't yeah. charge a percentage? Oh, so yeah, there's that too. <laughs> and before you go down and start planning to argue the policy in Louisiana, think again. Think yep. again. You don't argue you the policy. Negotiate. In Louisiana. You can't negotiate the policy in Louisiana. So, I mean, there's there's all of these compliance things that you have to consider when you when you start setting up your process because you're not in your home state likely anymore. You're not set up. Now, all of you Texas boys that are working up here in the North Texas area that are going down to Houston, it will be a much easier transition for you. If you're in the panhandle of Florida and you're going to go down and work Miami, much easier transition. And if you're going to go work an offsite hurricane somewhere, I recommend that you try to work one in your state first to try to get your feet wet on what that looks like. But we can't always pick where hurricanes hit. And if you want to go avail yourself of the opportunity that a hur- that comes with a hurricane, then then understand that there's going to be some very significant compliance issues that you have to consider. Do not sleep on those compliance issues because I'm going to tell you that these departments of insurance or departments of financial services will hand out some penalties a little bit on the stiff side if you're wrong. I'll just tell you this. In Florida, if you're working in Florida, they require everybody that's working in Florida to have workers' comp insurance, and they don't care if they're 1099. Right. It doesn't matter. If they're working for your firm and you're doing work in and around someone's home, you have to have workers' comp insurance. This is just one thing, one small thing, and I figured this out when I was working Hurricane Michael is that if you're going out, and I was just going out to do inspections. I was just going out to do my own inspections. Yep, you have to have workers' comp insurance if you're going to show up at somebody's house and do anything. And I will tell you this. They have the patrol that's out there that will pull up and go, what are you doing here? Oh, well, I'm inspecting this loss. Great. Can I please see all of your stuff? Oh, you don't have any of it? Well, you need to stop what you're doing right now. And by the way, you're going to need to take care of this very large fine. And that is, and that will happen. It will. It's not not if it'll happen. It's when it happens. And so, I can almost guarantee you, you are not going to skirt some of these compliance things. And if you think you just won't get caught, and you want to talk about bleeding money, that's a great gaping huge wound that you can avoid. Hmm. I say too about going to your process. I think before you step out the door, take a real hard look at your strengths and your weaknesses across your process. Whatever those things that excite you and you're really good about and come natural to you, keep those. You do those. But the things that you hate or the things that slow you down or any of those other things, that's what you hire out for. Hire somebody else to do the things that you don't like to do or just doesn't come natural. Because again, if you, and that's even if you go down as a lone wolf, you you can hire someone to help you because you're going to have so much volume at some point that, I I mean, anything that drags you down, slows you down, you're not excited about, you can't, you know, doesn't come natural. You're losing money every time, you know, you, you, you have to work a claim that, that makes you feel that way. So hire somebody, 
And, and hiring somebody local too is great because then you're helping out somebody who's local, who's displaced, who is clearly wanting to work um, and knows the area. And, you know, they're going to have friends. They're going to have friends of those friends and so on and so forth. So something else to consider is even though you may go down as a lone wolf, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to stay that way. Hire somebody or come, local. Or come back as one. You may find a great relationship that allows you to expand what you're doing back home. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of value in the network. There is. A, right. And I you know, and I would just like to take a minute to say I love our community by and large mm-hmm. for those of us that are on, you know, the different Facebook communities out there. And I mean, I could list off page after page after page after page that I know. Jess is involved in, I'm involved in, Baby Cakes is involved in, whether it's the Public Insurance Adjuster Forum, the the Public Adjuster Attorney Portal, the... Or even some of the hurricane portals, or hurricane pages. Yeah, yeah, some of the hurricane pages. There's a lot of really good people in those communities. You know what I mean? Uh So the networking is readily available. So avail yourself of that for sure. You know, and when you're determining the process, again, I would ask people, how do you handle intake? How do you handle claim Mm -hmm. preparation? How are you doing some of these things? Because most of the time there's going to be somebody that's going to give you an answer to your question. Sure. You're going to get those people. I've had years of experience developing my process. And Mm -hmm. if you haven't had one developed, you don't have any business in this area. It's like, look, we we all have a first time. Everybody took their first step everybody did at some point in time we all started out crawling and then we went to walking and then we went to running and i go all the way back to when we're children nobody knows how to do anything until they're taught how to do it right and so i i want i want you to know that the encouragement and the support is there even those of us who don't travel you might be able to find some of these firms that are looking to aid the people that are wanting to be boots on the ground that are interested in helping, you know, shore up some of that administrative burden. So if you love to inspect, just like Jess was saying, if you lo- if inspection and investigation is the thing that kicks you out of bed in the morning and you couldn't wait for Monday to get here because you're going to go inspect losses, man, boots on the ground is a great place for you. Maybe your team stays back. And you're just turning in your work product. Here's my photos. Here's my company cam link. Here it is. And your team is not down there spending money. They're sleeping in their own bed. They're sleeping in their own bed. They have their own resources. And that that is exactly what I did for Hurricane Ida. Um, I teamed up with uh, Randy Thompson with Building Damage Consultants. He just needed somebody to be just the desk adjuster while him and the guys were out in the field, knocking them out, turning, burning, turning, burning and doing the estimates. He just needed somebody that was licensed and knew how to desk adjust to desk adjust. And I did that from Texas. I didn't have to, you know, that wasn't another expense, you know, that he had to house another person or or whatever. That's, that's another great thing. And then, you know, you don't have, you know, have an exit strategy with that person as well, because that was the great thing, you know, with working with Randy was we knew we were teaming up for the storm specifically. Right. So when he was ready to say, okay, you know what, we, we're good, we're at a steady state, things are good, you know, I, I went back to Texas and took on the, you know, the hailstorms. So uh, having, just because you team up with somebody doesn't mean that you're stuck with them forever either. You can have a, an adult conversation and say, when this, when this is over, we're still going to be friends and <laughs> whatnot. Remedy claims was death support for uh, for Hurricane Laura. Laura yeah. yeah, we. I there mean, that's go. basically what we did. They they sent us pictures. They sent us scope. We wrote estimates and negotiated the loss. I mean, it is a great way. It is I, great. You know, and 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 that's another way. Instead of going down, I mean, again, if inspections are your thing and that's the thing you want to do, then obviously be ready to go down there and do that. But if you're wanting to know how to develop a process and maybe make it something. Think about working the desk. These people are hungry, looking for desk adjusters. Or but if you don't right. have the money yet, like you, you don't yeah. have that six months saved up yet. Right, right, right. That's a right. great way that you can help. That's a great way that you can step in and help and not necessarily have to shut your entire operation down where you live. You know, right. because, you know, I, the reality is, Jess, is, you know, when's the last time you had no claims to work? <laughs> when I became a PA. <laughs> If you're caught up, you're broke. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, so there's never going to be a time when, when no. there's there's just this open opportunity. If anything, you, 
if anything, you got to watch for burnout because that is a real, real thing. Burnout. Absolutely. Man, just like we predicted, that thing went a lot faster and we've got a lot more to do. I mean, I think our our next episode is honestly going to be, you know, kind of a continuation of round three and, and what it's like to be down there as far as inspection processes go and how to really work some of these losses and some of the different tools that you're going to need. So stay tuned for that next episode. But for now, we will be back with that next episode next week. And in the meantime... Um, guys, if you found this something that's valuable, please make sure that you like subscribe. And if you know somebody that needs to hear this, be sure to, be sure to, uh, to shred it, not to shred (laughs) it. No, no, don't shred it. Share it with somebody, but guys stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. And we will see you on the next one. Yes. I won't start it, but I damn sure will finish it.